walked back onto the pitch and the ref, ref said, I've just seen what you've done. You've assaulted a spectator. I'm going to have to send you off. So I said, um, all right, if you're going to send me off, I'm going to go and make this 40 quid worthwhile. So I went over and punched him. <laughs> and uh, whilst playing, I've witnessed a few broken noses that come through elbows with challenging headers and just minor scuffles like that. But And uh, it took my name from one of our players at the end of the game, reporting me to the league. I ended up with a £40 fine and a two-match ban. Just sidelines, yeah. Just for verbal abuse? For verbal abuse, yeah. Um, ne next thing, all 22 players, all the subs, all the parents were in a bit of a scuffle and I, I walked away with a 12-week ban and a £106 fine. Once that final whistle's gone, it's all gone back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, welcome back to Byron's World. Welcome back to episode three. Um, where it's we're back to a day in the life of, and today it's going to be the day in the life of a Sunday League football manager. I am joined by Aidan. How are you today, Sunshine? I'm good, thank you very much. Absolutely excellent. Um, so yeah, the day the, the day in the life of a Sunday League football manager um, is Earnshaw Bridge FC. If you're wondering the football shirts that we've got on, here they are. Earnshaw Bridge representing. So, Aidan, did you used to play for Earnshaw Bridge? Um, the team started up probably the year I really gave up playing. Um, so, I haven't necessarily been a regular player. I've helped out when we've been short on players a couple of times and done a little bit, but I try to knock it on the head a bit now. And what position? I've helped out all of that. Played in nets, I've played up front, I've played centre half for him. So you're a, a utility man? Yeah, a bit of a John O'Shea. <laughs> so what made you make the uh, the transformation from player to manager? Uh, poor diet mainly. <laughs> uh, I just realised I, I was getting too big, got too lazy, couldn't do it to the standard I wanted to do it and that my mates could do it at any more. Realised the best thing for me was to knock it on the head. Was there a position, did somebody come to you with the position then um, as a manager? Like, look, we need a manager who's going to step up or? No, um, myself and two friends had the idea of starting up a Sunday league team because we were fed up of the teams we were at at the time. And um, obviously we knew we needed a manager. I knew I wasn't going to play with the calibre of players we were going to be wanting to get down. So uh, I just signed myself up, nominated myself. And, yeah, I'll, I'll manage the side. One of, one of the lads is the chairman and the other lad's the secretary, but they're both players as well. So you create, you actually create it? Yeah, we, yeah we, st we started the team. See, I, well. I didn't know that before the panel. I feel a bit stupid now. <laughs> so how, how, how did you go about that? You know, the, creating the team, submitting it to the, to the league? and There was a lot of paperwork involved that I wasn't a part of. Uh, the secretary, Carl Marrow, uh, Took takes care of all the paperwork side, so I I don't get much hassle. I don't have anything like that. He he applied to the league, filed filed in with everything, and sort sorted it all out himself. Just all he had to do was put my name down for uh, for manager. How was the process? You know, getting getting a, well, you'd have to get around fifteen, sixteen lads. I'm guessing as a as a back one, you know, together. How did you go about that? Was it just through mainly friends or yeah, people who know friends. friends who know friends? And then yeah, it was. Uh, we've all played football all our lives, the three of us, so we knew the players we wanted to get down and the players that would suit. So the idea was get down one goalkeeper because we knew at the time I could play at the backup. Yeah, we wanted to get at least six defenders down. Same for midfielders and at least four strikers. So we were looking at getting a squad of about 18 down so you can name a squad of 16. So it was you can afford to have a couple unavailable every week and we can still get by. When when did the did the squad form in in like the pre-season period? Or was it We came up with the idea in the January, February time. I think we made a formal application in April, May, and we started our pre-season first week of July with four friendlies or something like that. And then the the season started. The season started in the end of August. Bloody hell! It's, it's a short turnaround. Yeah. So you managed to get the eighteen lads together 
Yeah, we had we had the eighteen lads together within three or four weeks of deciding on the team. So um, it was I could get we we wrote down a list and I said I I can get these six or seven players down. These all want to do it. Carl was the same. He said I can get these six or seven players down. Jamie, I can get six or seven down. So all of a sudden, we had a list of twenty. Say two or three couldn't do it. Then we we had where eighteen. So then in the in the the gap between forming the team and the pre-season, what kind of training was you doing with the boys? Was it like kind of like Rocky and Rocky up the, up the hills? And <laughs> uh, our first pre-season, um, I tr- I tried not to be too brutal. I knew we were going to be starting in the bottom league. I knew physically it wasn't going to be too demanding. It was going to be dragging them out of bed on a Sunday was going to be the most difficult part of that season. Yeah. So um, training wise, it was priority was getting them playing together, getting used to them because some of them had never met at the start of this. So yeah, it was getting them playing together, getting them used to each other. And then, did it? Did you see relationships within the team starting to form uh, as you know as the time went on when there was training, training together through the summer and everything before you know in the preseason? Did you then see? You know, him and him could be the next York and Cole, for example. Or well, we started pre-season. And we were basically three clicks of groups of friends. They didn't know each other. They didn't know like they weren't integrated. So um, they were struggling at the start. None of them are shy lads, but they were struggling at the start. And there was age ranges from at the time probably. 25 going down to 16 yeah so the lads that were fresh out of school they didn't they weren't 100% sure if they'd cope with the physicality of playing adults football they could have took the easy option and gone and played under 18s with the mates yeah yeah well um, eventually towards the end of pre-season we realised that they're going to be a good side These they can play they're linking up well even and then the three groups all of a sudden emerged into two and into one. And they're just a, a good group of friends that get out on, on a Sunday morning and play football now. Yeah. One of the first things I want to talk about with the Sunday league side is training. Because you hear stories and you see things on Facebook, you know, some of the lads um, who don't really turn up at training, but they're in the side every week. As a manager, as a Sunday league manager, What's your take on that? How many times... So, a couple of questions, really. How many times a week will you get your lads to train? Whether it's just once a week, twice a week, you know. Um, and these lads who think they can take the piss, you know, just turn up on a Sunday after a skinful, not a problem. Do you take the approach of, he's one of our best players, he doesn't have to train? I'm going to expose you here to your boys, aren't I? <laughs> what, what's your view on people who don't don't turn up to training, and how and how do how do you how many times a week do you train the lads, and do you do you push them as much as you can at a an amateur? But no, no offense, but it is an amateur level, isn't it? It is. And um, to answer the first question, pre-season we train twice a week, once on a Thursday night and once on a Saturday, uh, Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, secondly. It's um, sorry during the season we train on a Thursday night, just the once a week. The second part is we do have players that don't want to train. <laughs> you, I get a handful of messages every week going with some terrible excuses, and I'm not going to go into the excuses, but there's some terrible ones. <laughs> um, and so some of. Uh, our players should be regular starters uh, that don't turn up to training and it's difficult to keep everybody happy when that happens. Obviously, I have players that don't want to train, that want to just get up and play football on a Sunday morning and they're good enough to do it. But I don't see how I can charge someone £3.50 to train, £5 to play on a Sunday morning and play them a lot less in a season than someone that's only going to turn up on the Sunday and not pay the £3.50 for training and only pay his fiver. So with, with us being an amateur and us paying 
I try to keep it as fair as I can. I know it's not always easy because there is, there is a range of talents. We're a small range, but we're we're a range of talents. It's good to hear that though. Like, so you'll you'll keep a lad who's there every Thursday. And he's turning up to the games every Sunday. Maybe if he's if he's not as talented as one of these one of these lads who's rocking up on us just on a Sunday just to try and try and get his hat trick. Do you know what I mean? So you're you, you would prefer somebody who's training, putting the effort in, working hard. You'd put them in over you know uh, somebody who's just rocking up just for the games. Of course, I think everybody that's going to run a football team wants people that are going to be there at every every event, whether. To me, whether it's training a match or end of season do Christmas do, if they're, if they're there, they're keen. I'm happy. Yeah, I, I, I want players like that. Of course, every, I think everybody does, but not everybody's as much as I'm 26 now. A lot of my players are 20, 25 to 30 now. Not everyone's in love with football are the same now. Not everyone wants to go out two, three times a week to go and play football. Yeah. Some are playing seven aside, some are playing five aside. Some of them just aren't into it anymore. They're finding other things. Some like to go out for a beer, some like to spend time with the families and stuff. So it's hard to punish not turning up. Yeah. But I want people that are committed. What's the worst excuse you've had? I'm not going to go into excuses. Not off the top of your head? No. <laughs> I've, I've, be- I've had some stinkers, but if, if, if the lads listen to this, then uh, they'll think I'm exposing them. And there's no way on earth I'm going to go into uh, worst excuses. What's the lowest number you've had at training then? Uh, I think we've had seven. From when I get a match, match day squad of sixteen that Sunday. What do you do though when just seven people turn up? <laughs> I think we do just you, did shooting you, drills. Yeah. <laughs> I think we had one keeper turn up and six players. Let's just, just let, game of red arse. <laughs> let's whack some balls at keeper for a bit. <laughs> In terms of style of play, what kind of manager would you compare yourself to? Style of play, I, um, I demand hard work from my players. You Southgate. <laughs> they, they work hard and they have to be physical. If if they shy out, they get hooked. No, you're Sean Dyche then. <laughs> <laughs> if if they shy out of Neil Warnock or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, yeah, tactical wise, they they have to be hard working. They have to be physical. They have to win their individual battles. If if they don't, they're not performing. They get hooked, and someone else will go on and have a chance to take their spot for the week after. Yeah, what. What for? What formation do you play more often than not? Then more often than not, I play with a four-three-three with two out-and-out wingers with the one up top, one holding in the midfield, or just straight. I always line it up with the intention of one holding midfielder, but there's always one that one or two in there that just fancy. I'm fancy the lazy day today. I'm just going to sit alongside him and yeah, let yeah. the other one go and do the attacking. <laughs> I can't grumble. It seemed to work this year. <laughs> So it's it, it comes to a match day. Sunday comes around. You get to the location where you're playing, whether you're home or away. On average, how many of these lads are turning up half cut? To be fair, by Sunday league standards, we're at a quite good level now and they realise that if they turn up pissed up or half cut, and they don't perform, they'll lose the spot for the week after. So I'm quite lucky to have a team turn up 90% sober most weeks. Yeah. So I, I, I get one or two every week, uh, a few that are a bit late. I've had one lad turn up at half time. <laughs> <laughs> Did he get some done? No, he didn't. Did he? I, don't think he, I don't think he got a kit that day. <laughs> What's... Um... If they if they if they are have you got have you got any tales of a lad turning up blotto from the night before you you can smell the ale on the breath and then they they go on and score an hat trick or whatever yeah I've I've got lads that have turned up we're we're a big group of mates so we go out if one of, if it's one of our birthday dues on the Saturday we go out as a team and we get stinking drunk together and you you know the day after it's bad news. <laughs> You know, while you're there on the Saturday night, tomorrow's a bad day. You all speaking to uh, speaking to each other about it, like, yeah, fucking hell, we're not a bad side then that we're playing, and yeah, we're like, all here on the Sambucas yeah. and the Eggbones. We, we could do with being much more sober than we are now tomorrow morning, <laughs> that, that kind of talk. We've been playing football a long time, and we know how to play drunk a bit. You, you, <laughs> you just conserve your energy a bit more and... 
So if, if you know that you and the lads have had, had an every night the night before, will you play a different style? Like, would you play, oh, fuck it, we'll just have a draw today. Just set up, you know, two banks of four and just just I'm, hold hold, and if we can get a, a pissed up counter attack, I'm never. Then, then we're laughing. I'm never more conservative. I don't think. Sometimes, if they if they turn up and they can't stand up, they they, they start on the bench and they might they, they were probably on in the, on the starting lineup before it. But if if they, if they can't stand up, they're no use, are they? <laughs> <laughs> it happens. It's Sunday league. They're, they're paying a fiver a week. I can't I can't dictate what they do on a Saturday night. No, no. So. Um, yeah, we've we've got lads that turn up drunk and go, go and stick two goals in, and what else can I ask for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if they don't do that sober, I'm disappointed, and <laughs> they're doing it drunk. So, oh, that's it. That's what it's all about. But in terms of lads who are turning up half cut, have you ever seen them behaving differently or having like getting involved in altercations just because it's not them? being their self, uh, maybe getting a bit rowdy on the pitch with the opposition just because, you know, they're not being the self. They are still a bit pissed up from the night before and they still, you know, they've got a few few beers in them still what's floating around, the you know, the blood the bloodstream. Yeah, they don't notice it themselves until you point it out to them at half-time. But <laughs> you, you see a, a simple slide tackle coming three seconds too late with two feet and just think, things like that you just pick up on you. Or so, someone will turn around with a comment about a bad challenge, and they'll say, "Oh, do something about it." And like you wouldn't have said that if you were, if you were sober or four pints less the night before. But like you say, it's part of some league football. Our team does it. Every other every other team does it. So, have you seen Have you seen some people absolutely steaming from the opposition as well? Then oh yeah, we, we, we've had <clears> bits. <throat> we've had bits of bother. We um, bits of op- uh, players from the opposition to turn up stinking drunk. To, Turning up off the faces, whatever they were on, <laughs> <laughs> the devil's dandruff and all yeah. that. Well, it happens, doesn't it? Um, so yeah, we've we've had altercations, but everything's left on a football pitch, in my opinion. And anything that happens on the pitch, any arguments, any scuffles, as soon as, as soon as the final whistle blows, you shake the hand and you walk off. Yeah, we have a we'll have a pint over it. What's the worst case of that you've seen in your time as a manager or as a player? Um, in Sunday League football, where it's just, I know often it can just go too far and there's everyone's throwing fists and it's, it goes beyond football then, doesn't it? Um, the <clears> worst <throat> incident I can remember was me as a player and it was me at the centre of it as well. It's not it's not a moment I'm proud of. But uh, I think we were playing at under 15, so I was still in year 10 at school. Right. And um, I had... I was doing quite well that season. I was, I think, 30 goals somewhere around that area. Last game of the season, we're playing top of the league or second in the league. And um, they had this lad, I say a lad, I mean like a man off the pitch, one of the the opposition's dads, following me around the whole game, giving me, sticking me here. We've had a goal disallowed that, in my opinion... It was never offside in a million years, and we've appealed for a penalty. And this guy's just turning around, like I say, I'm 14, 15, and the guy's turning around and gone, uh, fuck off, you cheating cunt. And I've, I've just snapped at that point, and I've just gone, what did you just say? He says, yeah, you're a cheating cunt. So I've gone on, I said, you're fucking 40 years old, you need to grow up. He said, why, what are you going to do about it? I said, I said oh, just shut up, just give him a shove to the chest. Walk back onto the pitch, and the ref ref said, "I've just seen what you've done. You've assaulted a spectator. I'm going to have to send you off." So I said, um, "All right, if you're going to send me off, I'm going to go and make this forty quid worthwhile." So I went over and punched him. <laughs> and um, next next thing, all twenty two players, all the subs, all the parents were in a bit of a scuffle, and I, I walked away with a twelve week ban and a one hundred and six pound fine. Age fourteen. Age fourteen. It wasn't wasn't a proud moment. Did you find out who it was? No. Yeah. Uh, Have you seen him since? Or we played I've against? Not, him? I've not seen him. I've played against his son since. And he's everything all right now, or is he still a bit of a cunt? He's <laughs> uh, okay. It, it is more more of a sub for one of our rivals, and uh, it it turns up and does a bit for him, but it's not something we worry about. 
Yeah. I, I forget about it. I, I don't play anymore. He's he's obviously struggling to play, so I just yeah. leave, leave it to it. So like I say, once that final whistle's gone, it's all gone by me. Yeah, yeah. You you mentioned so that was from the sideline, wasn't it? It was, yeah. As a manager now, do you see like obviously it won't be from there'll be there'll be friends of fam, friends and family of the lads who are playing for Earnshaw Bridge who come to watch. Um, but when you're playing the opposition, do you ever hear your players getting abused from friends and family of the opposition on the sidelines? Yeah, I hear it from both ways. I I, I hear it a lot doing. I think uh, adults football, you tend to expect it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, that the example I just made then was me being 14, 15 years old. From a grown man, I think it's unacceptable. But uh, yeah, you, everyone knows that adults football, you get it. It, it. That goes right through to the pros. They, they they learn to deal with it because they're on £100,000 yeah. a week. We're paying a fiver, we've got shorter fuses. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're drunk from the night before. Some, sometimes words are said and... Uh, actions are, actions are done, but we're we're quite a laid back bunch until there's a bad challenge on one of us or a poor decision made in our opinions, and then we've we've known teams to call us moody and bit of bitches really, but we we just look out for one another in my opinion, and I think that's the way fo- football, especially at amateur level, should be. Yeah, have you ever seen like the two the two sides of the spectators? So the you know the fans of fans of your lot, Ernst Bridge, and the opposition. Have you ever seen sideline scuffles between the, both sets of the friends and families for the opposite we, we, clubs? We, we, we tend to be on opposite sides of the pitches. So right, yeah, yeah. So you you hear words shouted, but it's I I I couldn't pinpoint a, a moment where I think that there's been a scuffle or where I thought. Well, it's going to kick off here through spectators anyway. I, I, I couldn't pinpoint a moment. No. In terms of, I know you said about bad, you you touched on bad challenges. Then what's the what's the worst challenge you've seen on one of your lads? And did it? Oh, should I re? I'll reword that as, what's the worst? What's happened on a pitch to one of your lads through a a challenge? Any broken bones or? Um. Whilst playing, I've witnessed a few broken noses that come through elbows with challenging headers and just minor scuffles like that. But to be honest, I don't remember any horrendous challenges on any of my team. I remember giving a couple out and <laughs> <laughs> going up for an header and throwing a cheeky elbow in. Yeah, there. I, I, I remember being a bit rough and tumble and throwing a few about myself, and I know. Like I say, I, I ask my players to be physical as well, so they tend to throw throw in a few naughty ones as well, and it's, it's part of football. You you just learn to accept it. Both teams will do two or three a game. It's even in it. Yeah. The next thing I want to get onto um, is referees because sometimes you do see in Sunday league you see some of the refereeing's fucking laughable. Have you had a? Have you personally? had any uh, bad do's with the refs and can you get can you could you get sent away from the sidelines on Sunday League or um, earlier this season actually uh, we played a night game and the referee turned up and is one of them where it's when you see the ref turn up and you just go oh for fuck's sake kind of thing not him again yeah so <laughs> like oh we've got him again and um is denied as a stonewall penalty. We're four two up at the time. This the next goal kills it off, and we're four two up at the time. Is denied as an absolute stonewall penalty. The last man challenge. You've never seen anything like it in your life. And he's just said nope. Uh, he's not won the ball, but I don't think he's taken the player either. I think it's a dive. I'm like, we'll book our player then if you think it's a dive. And uh, I, I give it. You need to change the lenses in your fucking glasses and all this. <laughs> Yeah, he pulled me over to one side, never sent me off. He said, I can send you off now. I said, but you're not going to. I know you're not going to. I said, but I can do. I said, but you're not going to, so let's get on with the game. And uh, he took my name from one of our players at the end of the game, reported me to the league. I ended up with a £40 fine and a two-match ban for the sidelines, yeah. Just for verbal abuse? For verbal abuse, yeah. What about players? I I attended. I deserved it, but it was the wrong decision. (laughs) What about your players? 
you you must sometimes stand there on the sideline, and you know the the ref makes a you know when the ref makes poor judgment of a challenge or uh, yeah of, of a challenge or whatever. You must stand there trying not to fucking laugh sometimes with some of the stuff that your lads are saying to the ref. Have you ever seen many? Have you ever seen many many altercations between the referee and your players? And if so, what's the what's the worst case of that that you've seen? We've got a couple of players that like to whinge a lot at referees, and we had a referee drop out pre season for one of the friendlies, so I ended up refing it myself. And I was still, I was still, get, I was still getting dogs abuse from my team. <laughs> I tried to keep it as even as I could, and I turned around to one of our centre mids and I, I, I said, "Listen, I'm not a referee. Like, I'm just making it so that if you get a football, you turn yeah. around like, you know, I can't play well if I don't give the referee abuse." Yeah, but that's all going to change next season. They're bringing in um, Simbins, ten minute Simbins for dissent in Sunday league. Are they? Sunday league, that's yeah. good. So any. Uh, Form of descent now will be sent to the Simbin for ten minutes. Spot on. On the back to the sidelines again. Do you have many uh, many hecklers? I asked Danny the same question of this. Obviously, Dan Dan from Bynes was playing in a band, <clears throat> and I really thought that they they would have some hecklers. But on a fun, uh, a Sunday league pitch, you know, you you do get the, the classics. The referees are wanker. Uh, yeah. I've seen Milk turn number faster than number nine or whatever. Do you ever, ever have, do you ever hear any hear anything from the opposition's friends and family again? We'll call them fans. The opposition's fans towards your players, or do you ever hear them hurling abuse at your players as they're on the ball or whatever? Um, you hear the classics. You get the like, like you say. I've seen milk turn quicker than number four, or <laughs> um, I've had closer encounters than that shot was close. <laughs> you just, you, you, you just you hear the classics, and I like to give I like to give out my fair few, but I'm not as funny as some of the others that come out with them. So yeah, I, I, I try to just uh, keep a lid on it at times, but sometimes it just gets a bit too much, and I like to join in as well. Yeah, so. Uh, if it at half time, how do you deal with how do you deal with team talks? So I'll give you a scenario. For example, you need three points to win the league, last game of the season, and you're two 0 down. And we're two 0 down at half time. At, at home to second place. What kind of a team talk are you giving the lads? First of all, I'd mention what we're doing wrong. So I'd try and pinpoint the areas we're, that we're losing out. So I'd think, are we creating enough? If we're not creating enough, why are we not creating enough? Are we being overrunning midfield? If we're fine in midfield and we're not creating enough, then it's not a tactical problem. It's players underperforming. Um, luckily, I've never come across a situation where we're not creating chances. We're creating and we're scoring every week. Um, then I'd, I'd, I'd look at their goals have they come from errors or have they caused us problems and if they're not causing us problems we've given them two goals through individual errors we're still creating I'll just tell them that the goals will come which I'm always confident that we'll score two or three in a game so if we've not scored by half time I'm confident then so it's just keep keep them shut out for the next 10 minutes get the next goal we go 2-1, we're right back in this, their heads will go, they'll start to panic, we'll get the second goal, yeah. we're 2-2. If we've still got 20 minutes to play, we've got every chance of winning that game then. On the flip side, if you're, say if you're 2-0 up at half-time, again, last game of the season, against second, you need three points to win the league. What are you then telling your players? Are you telling them more of the same? I then turn that second half into three 15-minute matches where we'll say, right, we're going to shut them out for the first match. Yeah. So we go, next 15 minutes, they don't score. The second 15 minutes, we're going to try and grow into the game and see if we can go and steal another goal. If they then score, but we don't, they pull it back to 2-1, we shut up shop. No, we don't concede another goal in the, next, in the last 15. Yeah. So I, I, I try to work it in that sort of system. I like that system. Three, three 15-minute... It's three 15-minute three spells where you, you, you set out where they're not going to score a goal. 
then you, the second 15 minutes or that takes you from your 60 to your 75. Yeah. You're going to grow into the game. They're going to realise we're difficult to break down. So they're going to ease off a little bit and try and uh, be a bit more patient. That's where we, we're going to find a little bit more space. We're going to grow into the game and see if we can hit them on the break. And then if neither have scored, we're still 2-0 up. We can open up a little bit more in the last 15. But if they do score, we, we shut up shop and we don't let them score another goal. We go back to the system from the first 15. Fantastic. It's good. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot deeper than I thought, you know, for, for Sunday league level. I don't word it like that to the players. It, that's just the way I look at it in my head. So yeah, yeah. I'll tell them. Next ten minutes we don't we don't concede, but I, I have fifteen in my head, so they're on the con- they've got it in the head. Next ten, right? We don't do this, we don't do that. And I say we've got five minutes left of that. I'll, that ten minutes will pass, and five minutes left of that. So they're they're thinking, all right, I'm, I'm still concentrating for that, that that ten minutes, and they lose track of the time, and I just keep reminding them, lying to them a little bit. How do you go about it if? the players aren't kind of getting the message on the pitch. Will you grab, will you do like a Mourinho, well, not really a Mourinho style thing of, oh, come over here, give that note to number four or whatever. Um, but will you pull one of the lads aside and say, listen, go and say to, go and say to the centre half that he needs to be getting closer to number 10 or whatever. Will you send messages from other lads onto the pitch? I tend to do it with, when I make a substitute or with one of the closest lads. So, sorry. So, um, if we've, just scored or just conceded, and I want to say, right, we tighten up now or we open up now. I'll grab the closest lad to me and say, right, pass this across to the centre halves and say, right, we're going to tighten up now. Or I'll pull one of the centre mids apart and say, right, we're going to open up. We're going to try and drop it over their full backs. We're going to go a little more direct. Our forward for the last three years has been six foot four, so we can we can always play it into him. Yeah. So um, we we've got options and and don't blurt it out necessarily so that everyone can hear but sometimes I might say right we've just scored we've 1-0 up 5 minutes to go let's go 5 at the back so I then say put on a sub and say right you're, you're going to tell them where they're going so you're going to slot in here at centre mid move that centre mid to centre half swap the wingers over and so on and they're, they're, they're going to go on and do it yeah right so that's going to be we're just speaking about half time this is going to be half time um and we're going to be back. When we come back, we're going to be speaking about fines, celebrations, and how the season went, and a few other good bits. So we'll be back soon. Okay, welcome back to the second half of the podcast, where we're here with Aidan, who is the manager of Earnshaw Bridge FC. Um, before the interval, uh, we were speaking about formations, we were speaking about training, we were speaking about altercations on the touchline. Uh, now we're going to touch on a few more subjects so fitness within the players uh particularly smoke well drinking and smoking uh do you have many players in your squad who for example at half time say listen gaffer i need a just need to run me out run behind the back of the uh back of the change rooms for a quick puff um, on a cigarette that is <laughs> i, I I try to operate a no smoking from the minute we go out warming up till full time. That's my main rule. They can turn up drunk. I know they smoke. I'm not the mothers. Yeah. I can't stop them doing anything like that. I'm I'm just there to guide them for 90 minutes on a football pitch. But if if I sub someone off, with it being roll on, roll off, if they spark up a fag on the sideline, I, I try not to bring them back on. If obviously an injury comes in and I need them to go back on, then they are going to, and that's my that's my rule out of the window. But that's what I try to do. I also have, I'll say one or two, but it's mainly just one that likes to throw up at half time because he runs runs himself into the ground. So he's it's not alcohol related, but he's really, he's just throwing up at half time just because he's physically he runs himself into the himself. ground for forty five minutes. I start my team talk, he goes to the toilet, he throws up and he comes back for the tail end at team talk. And then he's fine second half? Yeah, he's fine second half. That's fucking He no, normally gasses at about 75, so I normally have to bring him off last 15, but I know I know he's got 90 in him if I have to. In terms of fitness then, in Sunday League, would you, I know earlier in the pod you mentioned like your team are very physical side, kind of like bullying the opposition off the ball or whatever. 
do you consider your your set of lads they are the fitness levels are quite to a decent standard for Sunday league or I've got a very fit side uh, considering that the manager is very very big (laughs) 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 it's hard to take orders on fitness training and stuff from someone that's weighing in over the scales practicing not preaching (laughs) someone that struggled struggled to come on and play the last 10 minutes can't really tell them right you need to run a marathon in this game kind of thing can they but um, obviously I'm not going to get everyone fit through one training session a week either so it's down to them to look after their own fitness if they're not fitter than the next person then the next person plays that's that's that simple it's down to themselves to look after I'm not saying they have to go on five six runs a week or anything like that but as long as as long as they're fit and they're not struggling to play the whether it's half a game 60, 60 minutes full game if they've only got 10 minutes and they'll only get 10 minutes it's down, it's down to them to However, the fit they are, that's how long they'll play. Do you do a lot of running and like hill sprints and stuff like that when you're in training, just to try and improve stamina? Or um, pre-season, we do a lot of fitness. So we do the two training sessions. And I try to do one a week of fitness, one a week ball work. But I try to mix them up so they're not getting used to it and only turning up for the ball work ones and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. So, so I try to mix it up. So some weeks we might have to do two fitness ones and week after two ball work ones. Or, but I don't want them getting. Bit of routine and then going right. We've done ball work this this time, so I'm not going to the next one because that'll be fitness. I'll then make them miss out on a ball work one so that they come to the next one thinking, oh, I've missed I've missed the fitness. And then I'll send them on a run. Do you find your fitness getting better as well in in the preseason? Uh, because you early, early on, I, I I joined in a bit and you're just the man with the whistle I'm just out (laughs) I get out of breath blowing whistle now (laughs) (laughs) but um, I'll join in where I can I'm not I'm not going on a three mile run with them or anything stupid like that last hundred metres yeah yeah. if if, if they're doing a sprint session or a bit of a bit of core or something like that I might join in with them but and then need someone to watch over and make sure they're not cheating themselves, kind of thing. So I'll, I'll just watch over them during them fitness sessions and make sure they're not doing anything. They shouldn't no, no knees down where they where they should be in the press up position and stuff like that. I've done it all before. I know what I know the tricks. You're, so you're the man behind them with the foot just pressing on their ass. Just get down. Yeah. If, if I find them cheating themselves on a push up, I might even sit on the back. <laughs> but we do a lot of uh, piggyback hill sprints and stuff like that. So really. Yeah, so they'll carry the t- the partner up. Someone obviously similar fitness level, similar size, and we go on to the local park and we'll go up there, go up a hill. I think it's about fifty meters long. And they can either walk up or jog up, but they jog back down and then they switch. And keep, and we'll, do, we'll do a relay on that. Have you ever been on the back? I've, I've been on the back. I've been on the front. I did it. As a put- <laughs> it's something I picked up from. Uh, being a player we had an absolute fitness freak as as our manager when I played so it's such a, some, a drill I picked up from him and when, when when I was fit and able to run I used I used to do that so yeah. I made them do it it's easy now <laughs> in terms of the uh, the naughty boys in the team the ones who are picking up the cards in the games and I was touching it before um, that you got sent sent off away from the sidelines and the uh, the ref made sure that you got a nice forty pound fine. What are the fines like with the lads? Do you do you find them backing out of certain challenges because they know they'll get fined for it? Or no, they're all pretty good. A fines a fines a tenner. Is that a yellow card? Yeah, uh, a yellow card's a tenner, and a red's forty quid. And what I think, about what about like? And as far as my research goes, I think that's from grassroots all the way up to pros. So they're earning three hundred and fifty grand a week and paying a tenner for a yellow card. Seriously? Yeah. <gasps> that's as far as my research goes, but I think, I'm pretty sure I've read that online somewhere. Yeah. What about like match bans with with players? Can they get if they if they do something really cynical and the referee thinks he's not fucking getting on a Sunday league pitch? For the next six months, he needs to learn his lesson. Does that happen? It'll as well? go in the referee's report, and then it'll go to a case in front of the FA. We either have to accept the charge or deny it. If we deny it, we've no chance. The, the FA side with referees; they don't want to upset referees. Do this? So. Yeah. Have you Did ever? They, have you ever? Had I, to, I didn't bother appealing mine. Have you never appealed any? No. no. Have you ever had any players banned for lengthy periods? Or um, 
as a manager, I think our longest suspension has been a three match for a straight red, but it was never a red card in a million years, that one either. Never is, is it? <laughs> Honestly, you, sh- you should have seen it. Following a, a victory, or I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the coin. We'll start off post match after a win. What happens? Well, pre match and post match, we have speakers in the changing rooms. We we have our pump up music before the game. Who's the DJ? You? No, uh, uh, one of our midfielders always brings the speakers. Always plugs his phone in. He's got pretty good playlist. We just leave him to it. So. Um, it seems it seems to work. We've done well this year, so we leave him to DJ after the game. Towards the end of the season, we had a separate playlist that I'll touch on later. But um, we went to the same pre-match thing, bit of a celebration, have, have a bit of a sing along, have a bit of a dance while we get while we're getting showered and changed and whatnot, and then back back to the pub where they put on a bit of food for us, have a few beers and watch Super Sunday. Do you um have you seen that the antics in the changing rooms? What goes down there? Is it the classics, the towel whippings, and the uh, no um, pointing out the uh, not so well endowed yeah, gentlemen in the changing room? You get the bits the, of the banter. You get the bits of banter. Them that will have their hands over themselves in the showers and <laughs> stuff like that. The old towel boxer trick: yeah. towel until the boxes are up and then take the towel away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, That'd yeah, be me. <laughs> <laughs> then that turn the back to everyone to pull the boxes up. And, <laughs> You get a bit of a bit of stick about it, but yeah, you you know you got fucking big David Corner. Go on, I'll get your cock out. <laughs> I don't know if mine's any bigger or not. So I've got a big shelf over the top of mine. So. <laughs> but following a win, you 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 said you said that you go you go to the pub, you have a bit of food and everything. Is that followed with six, seven, eight pints? Obviously, d- different players have different priorities. Ones with kids and that, I'm guessing they go away. But the ones who. Uh, uh, I don't put it. The ones who don't have any responsibilities, they tend to stay on the Sunday session. Yeah, the ones that are living at home with the parents, no girlfriend, no kids, they, t- they tend to stop out, have six, seven pints, go home sometimes at eight o'clock, which is what, seven, seven hours after the final whistle. Yeah. Every so 11 pre- o'clock kickoffs, yeah. 11 o'clock kickoffs, so we're back in the pub for just after one. So it, football. Yeah, so first game kicks off at half past one. We're, we're in a great spot for that. So we, we we try to all go back for a drink because, like I say, the pub puts on food for us. So we all try to go back, whether it's for one drink or more. That that tends to be a rule I try to, unless there's other commitments. If if you've got Mother's Day meal or something, obviously Mother's Day fall, always falls on a Sunday. I'm, I'm not going to stop them spending time with their mothers on a Sunday. Or yeah. if you've got kids, and they're, take, they're taking the missus out for Mother's Day. And it's just one of them things. So... Um, it's something I'm not too strict on, but I like to have everyone back for at least one drink. We put on food. We what? Uh, it doesn't even have to be beer, as long as everyone's there. Bit of a team, bit of team spirit. Yeah, team yeah, morale building and yeah, and everything. You, you do get the lads that stop out and have eight pints, and some lads that have one one pint of coke and, and then go home. Yeah, yeah. It's just but on, on the uh, on the flip side of that, following a loss, do you, do you see? I suppose drinking's one of them things. If you win, you're celebrating. If you lose, you can drown your sorrows. But if you lose, do you see a lot more, a lot more lads going home a lot earlier? Because there's a lot less coming back to the pub after a tough loss. Yeah, but like I said, I, I tried to keep tried to keep it as a rule so that we're constantly going back, keeping the team spirit. Like I say after a loss, I'll try I'll try and keep them upbeat. Say we we did this right, we did this right. We're just beat by a good side today, kind of thing. Let's go to the pub. Let's have a beer. Let's forget about it, and we we'll move on to next week. So that that's the way we try to go about it. Yeah, it's not not always that easy, but but this season it's been a good one. Come to come to Vast for more. Talk to me about the season. So I'm at, starting off. How many years have you actually been a club now? We were established 2016 that summer, so we joined the 16-17 season. Yeah, in Division Three. Which is the fourth division, obviously with the Prem, and we came third that season, got promoted. Spent the next season in Division Two. Came fourth that season. We were lucky to scrape promotion. We shouldn't. We probably shouldn't have gone up, but with teams dropping out and folding and new teams joining, we sc- we scraped promotion that year. So first first two seasons up and up. Yeah, yeah, and we've just completed our third season. 
we've got promoted again and we won the league unbeaten in a 20-match season. Unbelievable. 18 wins, two draws. So now you're up to the... the going to the going up to the Prem, yeah. Spot on. Um, what, what was it? 18 wins, two draws? Yeah. She was unbeaten. And the season before, he was unbeaten as well. No, the season before, we we finished fourth place. We, we probably should. We probably didn't deserve to go up. We we scraped up by the skin of our teeth, really. But it was one of them. We we've added a couple of new players. The new players have helped helped us fill gaps that strengthened by starters, strengthened by a bit more depth, and it's just took us to the next level for last for last season. Yeah. So you've had to literally had promotion and success every season. Yeah, next year's going to be a tough you, one. <laughs> you must feel really, be really proud of that, though, mate. Something yeah, that you've I've, helped create. I've, and... I've got the easiest job of the lot, though. It's them. It's obviously Carl. Carl, like I say, is the secretary. He works his socks off behind the do- behind closed doors and has to do all the paperwork. He's got his uh, F- FA charter standard or whatever. He's had he's had to do all the paperwork side of it. The, the players run themselves into the ground every week. All I have to do, my toughest job, is picking which players play. And it's not always easy. I can't keep everyone happy. How do you see yourself faring for next season, up in the Prem? If, I think if we stay up, it's progress. Is that is that your objective? Yeah, the, the level we're moving up to were... A lot of them play Saturdays at semi-pro level. A lot of them are playing... FA Cup qualifiers, FA Vars, stuff like that. They're playing at a very high standard. And it's a very, very competitive Sunday league. You've got the likes of Southport and Ainsdale, the Hunters and Ingle Rangers, AKA2 were champions this year. They're, they're just a massive golfing class. In the in our second season we played Southport and Ainsdale Rain at Southport and Ainsdale, sorry, in the cup and got beat five nil. Uh, season just gone where we've won the league unbeaten we played Hunters Hunters and Ingle Rangers they beat us 6-0 in the cup just a massive golfing difference it's just a, a massive massive golfing quality whether I got the tactics wrong on the day as well I don't know we probably could if we line up with an extra defender we might lose 2-0 and it doesn't look too bad yeah it was maybe it was me being a little naive and wanting to go and chase a goal but it's one of them things you've got to take as a manager so in terms of the success you've had this season, how are you and the boys going to celebrate? Uh, we celebrated last weekend with our presentation doing, we had a, a lot of beer. There was a lot of beer consumed that day, obviously Champions League final day as well. Yeah. A lot of the players are Liverpool fans. I don't remember the final because I were on 5% lager for eight hours before that game and if you showed me the highlights from that game now, I wouldn't recognise any <laughs> of them. But it, it, that were a good do and I think I think it's six of us are off to Benidorm on the 4th of July as well to celebrate a little bit further two weeks before uh, our first friendly. Carnage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go and see the cult classic Victoria yeah, as well. Yeah, nice little beach holiday. No beer consumed. <laughs> Sand dune running and stuff like that. Just see a bit of nature. Beach sprints, make it tougher in pre-season. <laughs> Bit of beach football. Yeah. <coughs> How long are you off there for? Uh, three nights. Fucking that's enough, isn't it? It's more than enough. I mean, be- before- I've struggled with two now. <laughs> before we came on the pod, we were speaking about... Um- it was speaking about your Benidorm trip and how neither of us have been. I know a lot of people listening to this will have been. Um, there's a lot of stag do's, football do's, stuff like that who do go there. What are you expecting from Benidorm? <sighs> Exactly what you've seen on the program. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I know it's gonna. I know it's not gonna be the neatest, cleanest of places. I'm not expecting a nice hotel. All I want is somewhere to sleep and some bars to drink in. I'm not. It's one of them. You, you're just gonna let your hair down, and you don't care if it's groggy. Right, you're there for three days, and then you're flying home, and you can get comfy again. That's it. You're looking forward to it, though. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> in terms of going back to back to the football from Benidorm. What do you think the best thing is about Sunday League football? And how, how important do you think it is to this country? I mean, we are a massive footballing nation here in England. Well, in the United Kingdom in general, we're a massive footballing nation, aren't we? Yeah, in my opinion, I think Sunday League is the key. To, I'd say success. We've not had a lot of success at the pro level. But I think Sunday League is the key to all levels of football. Everyone starts out playing Sunday League. 
you can look at your top players, your Harry Kane's and that. They were all playing Sunday League before they went to Tottenham, before they went to Arsenal, before they went to Man United, before they went to Chelsea. They were all playing Sunday League. Not necessarily all the way through at adults, but... At some point adult, in their career. Well, yeah. at some point in their life, should I say, not career. Yeah. But when, when you get to adults, some people like to let go of football and go, right, I've not made it. I'm going to move on and do other things. I'm going to go to the pub on a Sunday morning, like Sunday dinner time. Others are like, no, I want to carry on playing football, go out with my mates and play some football. And I, I think it's really important. It's really important to me. The ones that you say that going out, going out to the pubs instead, I've seen growing up a lot of footballers who, they haven't played at a pro level, but you can see that the, the leagues above the lads they're playing with but then they do go down the path of, you know, the drinking, you know, from a young age, 18, for example, uh, when they were, the, the, the legal scouts to the pubs, they find drink, they find the women, you know, and some people, some other things. It is, I think it's, I think it's a bit of a shame. Um, I know, I mean, I know, I'm not going to name drop anybody, but we both know, like, from our town here in Leyland, there's been quite a few professional footballers come out of this town, but the ones who have done it, they wasn't the ones who was... They weren't going out drinking when they were younger. They weren't the ones, you know, chasing women or whatever. But I just feel there's a lot of players locally, and this will be in every town, every town in Britain, it's, and they do waste their talent. I just, I think it's... You can, it's, go, into it's any, you can go into any pub in the country and there's a wasted talent in there. Oh, yeah. There's a wasted talent, no matter where you go in this country. And I say we're, we're from a town of what, say, fifteen pubs. I say you can go in any one of them and any part of the day, and there'll be a footballer that could have made it. Every yeah, yeah. Not, I know it's a mis misused term, but I know I know players that have been released from academies at eighteen that could not necessarily made it at the top level, but could have got paid to play football and. Getting released at eighteen ruined them, and now they're on, like you said before, the devil's dandruff, and yeah, it, it happens. And I, su- I suppose such a harsh drop from being, I suppose at eighteen you're a scholar, you get you, you're getting paid to play football at the time, yeah. and to to be released from that to have nothing to go to, it can be a tough drop, and it's it's not going to be easy for anybody. I, I wouldn't like it to happen to myself. But. Do you think British people in general? We uh, we suffer because like the the level of football suffers, whether that be an English talent who's playing for a Premier League club, the English English player who plays in international our level. Do you think it's suffering because of our culture? Um, because the British culture, like I'm, I'm not gonna, <clears throat> I'm not gonna try and mask it in any way, shape or form, because I'd be lying to myself. <coughs> Excuse me. We are a nation of drinkers, aren't we? We're we that Our culture is, you know, you work, your typical lad like me and you, we work on building sites. So we go Monday to Friday, and then our release is going out on a weekend with the boys, having a few beers, whatever. But the some of these pro footballers, even professionals, who you've seen players, I've seen players, professional, we don't, we don't know them over the years, and I think it's, the, it's our culture what's killing them. Seriously, I do. And maybe there's, you, you see, you know, you see these greats from, you know, your Ronaldo's, your, your Messi's. Um, in the past, you've had Brazilian Ronaldo, uh, Ronaldinho. Their cultures aren't quite like ours. Do well, you th- do, do you think that's because of our culture? I mean, we can easily point the finger and point the finger and say like Paul Gascoigne, perfect example. I don't want to because I really like the bloke and I think he is the the best player to ever put on an England shirt ever. But I think our culture has got something to do with the development of our big talents. Rooney, Rooney I think Rooney could have went on to be the best striker ever. I really do, and I know he's, he's got some accolades. And in my opinion, I know I'm a, I'm a Manchester United fan. And I'm a massive England fan as well. I, I actually prefer international football over club football. And he excelled in both. A lot, of, a lot of England fans will disagree about Wayne Rooney. But at the end of the day, he's our leading goal scorer for a reason. But I think our culture and the way we are 
as Brits or Englishmen, I think that that damaged his career a little bit. And then he was going out and doing the stupid things like, you know, the uh, sleeping with the old woman and. It was just he was always in the tabloids for the for the for the wrong reasons. See, I think I think the press are a lot to blame as well. Aren't they? Oh, they they, they the, kill the, they kill the, our the talents. The press are involved in a lot when it comes to the pro level, but I think all you have to do is look back at the nineties football. As an Arsenal fan, I know Arsenal had a I think it was either a Monday or a Tuesday club where they all went out and got absolutely hammered as a team on a, on a Monday or Tuesday and went to training the next day. We're talking, talking about likes of Tony Adams, Mercer. Martin Keown, Steve Ball, Paul Merson. Yeah, I've heard about these. All, all of them played for England. All of them played international level with Gascoigne and players like that. None of them are bad footballers. They were all brilliant, so I don't think you can put it down to the culture because they all went out and got, got drunk. And they're not Sunday league players, are they? They were still miles and miles above. I know. I know what you anything mean. we've ever come across, like they say, ever. But like in the last twenty years, the levels above anything. But was that the difference between us winning something and us not winning something? That tiny, that fine margin. No, I, th- I think. I, I think our biggest chance will have been the golden the, generation, the Euros two thousand and four. I think that kind. Of, oh no, I, th- yeah. I thought. I thought. Uh, mid nineties, we like Euro ninety six, World Cup ninety eight. I thought they were our big chances. I, I just thought yeah. we were beat by better sides in the end. Maybe not the Argentina where they where they, where they Beckham. beat us with ten men with the, yeah, Beckham. the Beckham incident. Yeah. But I mean, where France won it in ninety eight, I think they were just a, they were just a better side. Yeah, like, we've been in the semi finals this year, but we wouldn't have beat the we wouldn't have beat France in the final had we beat Croatia, in my opinion. No, so they, I don't. Better. I think we overachieved think, in the World Cup. I, th- I think when when you're getting that far, people just want it to happen so much that they need an excuse that it didn't, and they say. So when it were happening in the mid '90s, when we were going going far in the tournaments and losing, they were looking for an excuse, and I think they wanted to blame alcohol, especially with Arsene Wenger coming in in '97, '98, cutting alcohol completely out and of it Arsenal. Was the, it was the diets it, and everything. It was yeah. like everyone was onto salad and all that. Yes. Right? I've so read about that. The, the, the Arsene Wenger incident, when he came in, and ch- he changed Keown, Adams, Bold, Merson. In the end, he got rid of Merson and said, I can't have you, you're not going to do it. You're not going to play my way, it's not going to work. So I don't think it necessarily is, but when that happened, I think you can look back and then say, well... Had they done Wenger's diet before, would they have won it? But I still don't yeah. think they would. I still don't no. think they were at the levels of the French, especially the French 98, no. No? No, not in my opinion. Steering away from players again and back to management, what do you think it takes to be a Sunday league manager? And what have you learned um, in football and as a person from being a Sunday league football manager? Um. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of patience. You have it's it's not it's not easy to keep everybody happy. So that's that's one thing I've learned is that um, when something goes wrong, you've two types of players. You've got ones that you can throw your fucks and shits into, and you've got the others where you need to put your arm around and say this is where you went wrong. Yeah. So I was always one that you could. Throw, it, throw your fucks and shits into and you say that's shite why didn't you do that but I've got I've got players where they need an arm round and I say see when you did that you could have done this and that would have created this opening and they go yeah I can see it now whereas if if, if I spoke to them like I was going to be spoke to they'd, they'd respond with well, just don't play me then I'm, 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 not, I'm not here to be spoke to like that kind of thing so yeah you have, you have your types of players and that's probably the biggest thing I've learned. yeah and you know, from the start to now, I'm guessing that you know how to deal with every individual in that squad. The ones who do need their arm around them, like you say, and the ones who you're just like, that was fucking shit. And you know they'll take it on the chin. That was fucking shit. You better turn up next Sunday kind of thing because we've got a big game. Yeah, you tend to figure it out within a couple of comments. It doesn't even take one full game. You tend to realise that if you say, that's shite. And if they do the same thing again, and you say, that's shite. And it's still not working. You know, you know that's not the way to talk to them. So yeah, you, you tend to learn quite quickly, and with new players coming in constantly, and you you, you figure it out pretty sharply. Yeah. Do you have, have you had many lads leaving the club because of you personally, or because some of the other lads or whatever? 
to my knowledge, I don't think we've ever transferred a player mid-season. No. We've had we've had players that haven't re-signed commitments. So, but, but uh, yeah. yeah, nothing to do with any of the players, as far as I know. It's nothing to do with me. If, if it is, then I'll apologise to them. But I've never been told anything. But I just try to do what's best for the club at the end of the day, not what's best for a person. Yeah, it's some, sometimes it's tough, but it's just what it is. Yeah, going forward in football. Um, is there anything you'd like to do beyond being a Sunday league manager in football? Or are you happy? Are you happy just doing uh, your day like your day to day job, and then on Sunday you, you you know you're just managing? But uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is, if an opportunity did come up where someone's like, "Oh, this man he's done really well. He's got free promotions. Managed to, for example, next season." Manages to secure himself at a higher level in the Premier in the Premier League. Um, <clears throat> managed to keep you know hold their own. Didn't get relegated. Um, a fantasy job, for example. We're both from Preston. Preston North End approach you and say, "Would you like to come and coach for a living?" Um, the under fifteens, for example. Obviously, I love it where I'm at now, but everybody's dream from being four or five-year-old when they start playing football is to get paid to do anything football-related. Yeah. But they'd have to... For me for me to leave my full-time job, I couldn't take a pay cut through financial situations and stuff like that. So if anything along them lines came, it'd have to be financially fitting, not just coach-worthy. For, for you and your family. I, 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 yeah. I couldn't take a... Two hundred, three hundred pound a week pay cut to to go and do it just because I'm getting paid to do the joining football. I can't yeah, yeah, do it. yeah. Because yeah. you get your family to provide for. Of course. It. Yeah. So I suppose it's like anything. With with um with the club now with Virgil Bridge, what is the dream? We all talk about we want to set up on Saturdays eventually, which we want to move into a league where. We can compete, but has a really good setup where you you're not playing on park pitches. You're playing on uh, private pitches with clubhouses and stuff like that. We want to move into a league like a league like that eventually, but I think we're a long way off yet. We're we're a lot of money away yet. We, we don't own our own pitch, so obviously we've no clubhouse or anything yet either. So we're quite a bit away yet. But Do you have the vision of that though, like building? Yeah, it's, it's a long term goal. But obviously, it's a hobby for you, just like this is a hobby to me. Uh, management in Sunday League is a hobby to you but long term say five years down the line is that something that you want to build towards? Yeah it's, it's something we're constantly looking at that we want to be doing but at the minute it's just not achievable so at the minute it's just a dream in the pipelines and we'll reass- reassess ourselves next year and see where we are for that yeah. then but no at the minute it's just a, it's just a dream You can build a clubhouse lay the foundations literally it's buying the land (laughs) right so we're going to finish up uh, we're going to finish up now with a few quick fire questions you ready what's what any rules on these Uh, as fast as you can with the answers you ready the greatest manager no all bias aside as well (laughs) with this the greatest manager of all time Sir Alex Ferguson pick one player anybody well actually we'll do one past one present who you could have at Earnshaw Bridge. We'll start with uh, past. At uh, professional level. No, professional to, players. Yeah, to get to get in your Sunday league side. Uh, past is Dennis Bergkamp and present is Billy and Messi. One, if you could have one assistant manager, past or, actually, we'll do it again, past or present, one assistant manager for Earnshaw Bridge. I've already got him, it's Mark Johnson. Oh, God, you're such a kiss ass. Marky. <laughs> <laughs> No, if I if I wanted um, to go at the like t- take a dream at the uh, top level, it, I'm, I'm I'd probably be taking a, a, what is a first team manager. No, you have to have an assistant. Yeah, so it, so I have to think, name... think of the classic assistants. Steve Bolburn at Arsenal. No, he's rubbish. <laughs> he's just been relegated under twenty one. Carlos Kieros, United. <laughs> Steve McLaren. I know, Mike, were... I know Mike Phelan's always spoken really highly about from oh, Alex yeah, Ferguson. Yeah. I think yeah, I think yeah. Alex Ferguson 
tactically and motivationally was the best manager the Premier League's seen anyway. So I'm 26, he's the best I've come across. So he's always spoken really highly of uh, Mike Phelan, so I'd probably go for him. Yeah, good choice. If you had, you're an Arsenal fan, if anyone didn't know. I know, it's unfortunate. (laughs) You can send Aidan just one pound a month (laughs) to support his Arsenal addiction. No, but uh, if you, if Arsenal could sign one player now, from the present day, who would you sign? From the present day, I'm, I'm always going to take Lionel Messi. I think he's the best player that's ever lived. Even at his age now? Even at his age now, I'd take him for two years. Yeah? Yeah. 100%. I'd take him for 10 years compared to what we've got now. <laughs> <laughs> the last question. Fantasy, five-a-side team. And we'll get we'll, we'll keep the uh, keep the theme of past, or pre- uh, past and present. So we'll we'll start with past. Five side team, go. So I'm going with a goalkeeper, a defender, two midfielders and a striker, yeah? Yeah. Past goalkeepers, I am going to go with Peter Schmeichel. Defender, I'm going to go with Tony Adams. Midfielder, Vieira and Zidane. And up front, Bergkamp. Present. Present. Goalkeeper's hard now because Hayes had a bad season, eh? Well, no, I don't think he's had a bad season. I think the United defence have just been fucking woeful this season. I'm keeping the same system with the one defender, the two midfielders. So I'm going to go with goalkeeper. I think for the year he's had, I'm not his biggest fan, but for the year he's had, I'm going to go with Allison. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, Virgil van Dijk takes a, the defensive spot. Yeah. I think he's the best in the world at the minute. Current midfielders, ooh, that's not an easy one. I'm going to go with Luka Modric, which pains me with him being experts. Yeah. <laughs> and I really like... Um, Thiago from Bayern Munich. Yeah, I, I think he's. A, I think he's so underrated. And then Lionel Messi, no Ronaldo, no Ronaldo. He doesn't get in ahead of Messi, and he's he's, he's playing as a forward and not a midfielder. <laughs> <laughs> right, so everyone, everybody who's listening to this podcast, thank you very much. Thanks a lot for your support and your reviews and everything from the previous pods. It really does mean a lot. If you did like this podcast, make sure you get over to Apple Podcasts, give it a five star review. Get and drop drop me a little comment. Anybody on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button um, and hit the thumbs up button as well. It's much appreciated. And maybe leave a little comment down there. Uh, if you've got any questions, um, I've opened up an email. So it's Byron World, Byron's World. Sorry, San Miguel talking. Byron's World at hotmail.com. If you've got any questions, or maybe if you want to even want to be a guest on the podcast. And where can we find Earnshaw Bridge? We can get them on Twitter, right? We're on Twitter at Earnshaw FC. We'll tag that. I'll put that in the overlay to the video as well. So you guys can go go ahead and see that. And I'll put it in the description on Spotify and iTunes. Thank you very much, Aidan. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. And we'll see you next time. Well, we'll see you. Or you'll hear from me next time. Thank you very much. Peace.